In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He is Jesse Temple. Plenty of stuff to get to here in the show. Obviously, Wisconsin finally has a game to play. They're going to take on Michigan this Saturday after a couple of games got canceled. We'll talk about that. Talk about their uh, latest uh, recruiting haul in Marcus Allen out of Ohio. And we also uh, had an opportunity or do, will have an opportunity to catch up with Austin Meek from The Athletic. He covers Michigan football. But first, Jesse... Football. We have football to talk about. Wisconsin does have a game, finally. They're going to play Michigan this Saturday. These last two weeks have been, uh, I'm sure, rough on Wisconsin fans, having to watch other teams play while the Badgers get their COVID situation under control. As of Monday, they had five active cases, uh, two players, three staff members. How many of those guys uh, that have caught it, I guess, since you know the Illinois game, will be out. We don't know. It's going to be, uh, I would assume, in the double digits. But the one guy that probably will be able to play is Graham Mertz. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Jesse, what do you think the impact these last two weeks are going to have uh, on the team moving forward? Uh, I think it's going to be pretty substantial. And this is one of the great mystery games in recent history with Wisconsin football, just because of exactly as you said, it's this is the best case scenario for Wisconsin. They five of the last six days yielded no positive cases. That's what the school announced. And so that was really the only way that the Badgers could get on track and even play this game. But at one point early last week, Wisconsin had 27 active cases in the program. That included 15 players. So depending on when those players tested positive, we know that the Big Ten has a 21-day return-to-play protocol. You're right. They could be down double-digit players. Uh, and that could be across multiple position groups. If, if Wisconsin's at full strength, they're a better team than Michigan, certainly the way the Wolverines are playing right now. But let's say you don't have 10 guys and eight of them are in your two deep. It's a much different team on Saturday than it was in the opener against Illinois. And we just can't know what the Badgers are going to look like until that game starts. Right. A completely different situation, but a similar in terms of having taken significant hits to your depth charges. You have to go back to 2000 when the shoebox scandal hit and it hit the day before. Well, I mean, they they knew. I guess they knew a little bit uh, beforehand, but the the suspensions came down the day before, the night before, and uh, you know, it, it kind of it blindsided them to the point where they were missing a bunch of guys for those first you know three games. They were able to stagger them a little bit, but this is uh, a little bit a similar situation, though they've had a lot, I think, greater uh, ability to perhaps work some things out, knowing. 21 days ago or however whenever the positive test came that they would not have that guy and that they would be able to work some other guys in but Paul Chris said it wasn't just the fact that COVID but he said some guys that are progressing have put themselves in position to play and I know uh, we don't have names but I'm, I'm thinking young guys right I'm, I'm thinking young guys that were not ready to perhaps play against Illinois have put themselves in position to play Saturday against Michigan whether whether it's because they're progressing or potentially because they they hit the depth so hard Right. That's exactly what Paul said. It's a combination of things that they're progressing. But because of where the roster is, he said, we'll have some guys get some snaps that three weeks ago weren't in that position. I, I think if everybody was healthy, I I don't know that we would see that many new players. Um, but again, they would have had two more games to figure some things out. So this is going to be a true test and maybe one of the most significant tests of the Paul Christ era just because of the adversity this program has, has faced. Now, we talked to 
Kendrick Pryor and Jack Sanborn on Tuesday, and both of those guys feel very confident. And I also think there's just an appreciation for, for to use a Paul Christ word, appreciate <laughs> and the opportunity because these guys have put in so much work and then they had two games canceled and they know that these opportunities don't come along very, very often. So um, I, they're excited to play, and I'm really interested to see what Wisconsin actually has to offer against Michigan. They appreciate the opportunity to have the opportunity to play against Michigan. That's exactly right. Yes. So... Uh, you know, let's get into one of the guys that obviously everyone and I want to talk about what they've done these last two weeks because I thought it was kind of interesting. Jack Sanborn talking about doing push-ups in his apartment or Kendrick Pryor running around the city like that's that was kind of trying to stay in shape. But they did some other things too. But uh, you don't want to talk about the guy that everyone wants to know about, and that's Graham Mertz because reportedly he tested positive. His his positive test came Saturday, the day after the Illinois game, according to their Big Ten protocol. His 21-day return to play starts the day after his positive test, so that starts Sunday. And he can return to competition on the 21st day, which is Saturday. So, leading into this week, you know, he's going to be able, he was able to be back in the building Sunday, sent out a picture of the uh, countdown board to to beat Michigan, and then he, there's, there's a, a period of where he has to get ramped back up in terms of his his cardio and that type of thing before he can actually practice. But practice is a part of it, but I don't think he can practice until Thursday and Friday leading into Saturday, and it's wonder if that's enough. Do you think it's going to be enough for him to play on Saturday at, uh, at Michigan? Because they don't really practice on Friday. They travel on Friday and a little walkthrough, so it's not a real huge practice. But do you think there's going to be enough? That's really tough because in a, a normal game week, if you're not ready or, or you're not physically capable until the end of the week, it's quite likely you don't play. Having said that, we know how good Graham is and how much he can elevate the offense. And we know that uh, the quarterback room without him, perhaps maybe down to the fourth stringer and Danny Vandenboom. So you've really got to weigh your options. I asked Paul on Monday specifically about Graham, and I have to say I was <laughs> fairly surprised that he was even willing to address it. So simply because Simply because Wisconsin has made it clear from the outset that it was not going to address specific players citing privacy issues and I just wouldn't think Paul would do that but I think because the news about Graham has been out for so long it's been reported by multiple outlets that maybe he was more willing to discuss it and he said that the way the the protocol with Graham is timing out that he's starting the process of coming back he said his tests are all done and he said that he thought he'd be able to have some practice yeah those are those are his cardiac tests correct yeah, yeah, I, I I believe so because after the the two weeks is when you take your cardiac tests, and at that point is when you can start to ramp up. and And the school even clarified about what that process is that you're all, you're always monitored by doctors. You start out slow, maybe you do some bike work, then you do some conditioning, then you go to the weight room, and then you can start practice. And so they're they're continually monitoring it. But you know, Paul at least addressed that um, Graham is in that process, and he he doesn't yet know where Graham will be, but I think he's going to have an opportunity. And I know that's been a question with a lot of people, certainly a lot of readers at The Athletic, wondering when the the protocol, like what day does he actually enter the protocol and will the 21 days be up so he can play against Michigan? And I suppose we don't have a definitive answer, but at least Paul addressing it made it seem as though there would be a chance for Graham to play. What do you mean by don't have an answer? I mean, he'll be eligible to play. Well, just assuming his test with the doctors and everything would be good to go because that would be day 21. And, and in that that thing that they sent out, it said would be able to return to competition on day 21. I guess it's more do we have definitively 
the date that everything happened. That's the thing. Yeah, right. You're right. No, you're right. That's that's the part of it because yes, it's been reported, but nothing confirmed on Wisconsin's end. So yep, you're right. It's not it's not fact yet. I suppose is, is is where I'm coming from. And I mean, I am led to believe, certainly based on the way Paul responded, that. Graham would be able to play against Michigan. Uh, but you're right. It does come down to, does he have enough time to prepare to play that game? But I think if he can play, you got to play him. Yeah. I apologize about that. That you're right. It was reported that he tested positive on Saturday, but that was never obviously something that UW confirmed. I did find it kind of funny that he answered that question, but also said to Jim Polzine's question about uh, the coaches that they've, you know, you guys have released a lot of information. He said, we've released a lot of information, you know, much to my chagrin. And then he went ahead and addressed your question later on. So either way, you know, I think it's, it's, it's noteworthy that he is going to be in a position that you would think potentially be able to go because otherwise, yeah, probably would be Danny Vandenboom as uh, there was reports that Chase Wolf tested positive later than Graham Mertz, meaning he, he may not be in that uh, 21 day window to be able to play on on Saturday a lot of ifs and buts but here we are trying to get trying to uh, figure out who all is going to be out there Um, but I think this is something that uh, you know kind of depends how you look at it Wisconsin has not played in two weeks last game was October 23rd Michigan has played the last three weeks including the last two weeks and has looked horrible specifically on defense I'm wondering, in your opinion, who has an advantage here? The fact that uh, Wisconsin hasn't played in two weeks, but they also haven't, they've only played one game, kind of, so they don't really have a lot to build up to. Or is it Michigan who's played three games, but has looked horrible in two of those three games? It's a hard question to answer because I think Wisconsin is the better team. But if you took away, like I said, six or eight guys from the two deep, then the Badgers might not be a better team. I, there's, this is a hypothetical that's really hard to answer. I'm, a part of me would almost rather be Michigan because they at least know <laughs> what they have or know what to expect. I don't know if Wisconsin knows what to expect, and maybe they do because they're in practice and it's more us not knowing, but it's just uh, it's such an unprecedented circumstance that you ramp back up to the season to get it going, and you play your first game, and you look like the best team in the Big Ten West, and then you shut down for two weeks. Uh, and, like, guys, you, they couldn't practice. They couldn't do anything. Now they're back doing that, but... This is a situation, and, and Paul was asked this too Monday normally, and he has said it before, that he's not going to put guys in position to play if they're not ready to play. And I don't know if you've got that choice this week. True, right. Like, say, you know, I don't I don't think it's going to be 15 guys. I mean, it could be. We don't know the exact numbers of, you know, when guys test positive and when and all that stuff, but it could be. And, you know, out of and who knows how many of those guys are scholarship versus non-scholarship. But if you have 120 guys on a team, you take 15 out. Say half of those guys are scholarship guys. You know, they, that's a, a significant hit, especially when you had a lot of. I mean, it depends what positions are hit. Say it's say it's a veteran at a position, and then behind them is a bunch of freshmen and guys that haven't played. Well, that's a significant, significant hit, as opposed to perhaps maybe at uh, at the running back spot where it would go. You know, maybe Nikia Watson couldn't play, and then it's just Garrett Groshek and Isaac Garendo. Well, you don't lose a ton of experience there. You have a guy and a senior in, in Garrett Groshek that is ready to play. I mean, I think it really depends which which spots are, are, are hit the hardest. Oh, it absolutely does. And, um, I mean, I, I, I guess it's important to note if this matters that Wisconsin was never at the threshold where they definitively had the shutdown under the Big Ten protocol. This was the decision that Barry Alvarez made. And he said before that if they had to play that game against Purdue – that they would have been able to play it, 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little muddled on that because if you could play, you Why obviously not? didn't wind up playing that game. But, I mean, that to me says that it's it's not like there's nobody left at a certain position group. But you're right. There's You take one veteran out and there's a complete inexperience behind him and uh, it completely changes the trajectory of what you can do in a given game. Yes, and I should I should add that, again... Jacob Ferguson, Nikia Watson, very well. I, I, those were just examples of throwing, you know, guys that potentially, you know, if they were out, what would be behind them, kind of thing. And it's it's uh, different at the position. I think you'd still feel comfortable at running back, even though you know you'd love to have Nikia Watson there. You'd still feel fine, but tight end be a little bit different when it'd be Hayden Rucci and Jack Essenbach and, and Clay Cundiff on the you know that type of thing. That's all I'm saying. Just in terms of going back to what these guys did over these last two weeks, I know you asked both Kendrick and and, uh, Jack Sanborn about what they were able to do last weeks while the uh, while the facility was closed. I mean, the facility was closed. I guess technically the facility was only closed for what nine days. I think it started the Wednesday after the Illinois game, and then it opened back up. Uh, You know, they started doing some conditioning last Friday, so it wasn't necessarily closed for two full weeks, but. What what was what did they do to try and stay in shape these last couple of weeks? I mean, Kendrick talked about running through fields and stuff, and some of that was after the the spring shutdown. But uh, you know, doing workouts in your apartment, there's just not a whole lot that you can do when you can't really go anywhere and you don't have access to the facilities. One of the things Kendrick said, and this is important in this virtual world, is just being able to have calls with your position coach. He talked about Alvis Witted checking in on them every day. And also staying engaged mentally and in the film room because you said it. They practiced Monday and Tuesday for the Nebraska game, and then that got canceled. So they start preparing for Purdue, and then that got canceled. So they're always trying to think one step ahead, and I think that's been part of this plan is watching Michigan. And Jack talked about it too. It's a very unusual circumstance where you're not playing on a Saturday like that, uh, and you can watch the opponent that you're about to play. So he watched the entire Michigan game. I'm – I don't really have ish concerns about conditioning and things like that for the Michigan game simply because they'll have this full week to prep, but it is an incredibly unusual circumstance where at midseason you just have to shut it down and then basically come up with makeshift workouts like these guys did after spring practice got canceled. Yeah, no doubt. So heading into this game, uh, Wisconsin obviously want to know they've dropped four spots despite being undefeated. Uh, in the AP poll, obviously want to know. And Indiana has jumped them. They're in the top 10 for the first time in a long, long, long time. But the other two teams uh, still unbeaten in the Big Ten West, Northwestern, Purdue. Obviously, Northwestern has looked uh, good. Uh, Purdue didn't get to play this past weekend, obviously, with Wisconsin. Is Wisconsin still the favorite in the Big Ten West despite not playing these last three weeks, or has it turned to somebody else? Because I've seen some national media saying it's now Northwestern and Purdue and, and Wisconsin's uh, lagging behind because they can only play six games. Well, I think Wisconsin is the best team in the Big Ten West. The problem is the way the standings lay out, especially with Purdue, I think it would be fascinating because Purdue's sitting there at 2-0 and now and Wisconsin's at 1-0. There is a scenario, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, where Purdue could win out and not play Wisconsin. And because the Boilermakers are 7-0 and Wisconsin is 6-0, and um, Wisconsin's not in the Big Ten championship game. So uh, I don't think that makes Purdue the better team. I still think Wisconsin is the best team. And fortunately, if everything goes according to plan, Wisconsin will get to play Northwestern. I know that the Badgers have struggled over the years uh, at Northwestern, but I, I really think... It is a small sample size, but they just dominated Illinois. The defense didn't give up a touchdown. Graham Mertz looked like an unbelievable quarterback. 
So to me, they're still the best team in the West. I think it's been proven that uh, Illinois is the worst team in the Big Ten, correct? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Having said that, I don't I don't want to diminish what Wisconsin was able to do. No. Um, I mean, they were the favorite coming into the season for a reason. And, and I mean, until Northwestern beats Wisconsin, I'm going to say it's the Badgers. And unfortunately, we won't get to see Purdue, Wisconsin. What are the I mean, what are the chances that Purdue makes it to seven? No. Or what are the chances? You know, I like I would you would you have a, would they have a bigger issue with getting to six and one? And losing out to a six and zero Wisconsin team—that that to me is a scenario that very well could play out. And I, if I'm Purdue, I'm probably pretty upset about it. Oh, I would be fear. I mean, furious, yeah. What right? are you going to do about it? I mean, there's nothing you can. They've do. got a manageable, manageable schedule. They've they, no, there isn't. They've get, they've got to play Northwestern, but it's a, it's a home game. They've got a road game against Minnesota, and the Gophers' defense stinks. And then they've got Rutgers and Nebraska. The real interesting one would be the last game of the regular season, which is at Indiana. We know that the Hoosiers have. I mean, like you said, they're a top 10 team. They just beat Michigan for the first time since 1987. So you're, that's a scenario where maybe Purdue's undefeated going into that game and would lose uh, and perhaps miss out on, on the Big Ten championship. But I know there's a lot of scenarios in play, but this is what happens in such a unique season where games are getting canceled and you're moving forward with the season. And there's no margin for error because you can't reschedule these games. You know, the one scenario that we no longer have to worry about that I don't think anybody with uh – that was that was thinking re- realistic was was worried about was Nebraska winning out the rest of the way after losing to Ohio State but not getting to play Wisconsin and finishing seven and one and Wisconsin going six and zero and not being able to uh, and that Wisconsin going to the Big Ten championship game that was this that was the scenario that Nebraska fans were playing out after Wisconsin quote unquote ducked them in uh, in the second week of the season Nebraska goes and loses uh, effectively out of the race they're now zero and two who else is down there. Minnesota one and two, Iowa one and two, Michigan one and two, Michigan it's State one and two. It's a top turvy Big Ten this my, season. My goodness! Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, obviously Northwestern, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State. Ohio State, though, still clearly, clearly by far the best team in the Big Ten. Correct? Oh, for sure. Justin Fields has as many touchdown passes as incompletions this season. Eleven. That's it's it. That ridiculous. is insane. But they're, you know, but you know, they're he, always the best team. And yeah, you know, he's he doesn't actually have the highest quarterback rating in the country, right? Is it Mertz? It, well, it is. It is. Graham Mertz. Uh, he has the highest highest <laughs> they, rating they in the country. They both went 20 for 21 in the opener. Yeah. And uh, highest rating, I believe he has obviously the highest completion percentage. He's got a lot of things going for him. Uh, and hopefully we get to see him this Saturday against Michigan. We'll get, we'll get into prediction a little bit. I want to talk a little recruiting. Wisconsin hauls in another, uh, I believe it's commit number 20 in their 2021 class. It's Marcus Allen, speaking of Michigan, decommitted from Michigan earlier this year and then uh, gave his verbal to Wisconsin. What day was that? Was that Friday? Yeah. And right. yeah, and so he, he comes in, and, and I know you had an opportunity to write a story about him. Who is Marcus Allen? Well, this is a, a big play home run threat. And I mean, these are the types of guys that Wisconsin needs to get if they want to take that next step, if you want to pair someone with Graham Mertz. And I know what you do in high school doesn't automatically mean you're going to do it in college, but he only played eight games this season because his team, which was undefeated, had to forfeit a playoff game because of COVID-19. He caught 60 passes for 844 yards and 14 touchdowns. And as a junior, he set the single-season school record with 15 touchdown catches. And it just seemed like, in, in talking to his coach, if that team needed a catch in a big moment, he got it for you. He 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 caught the game-winning touchdown catch in multiple games, one on fourth down with nine seconds left, uh, one where he had a 53-yard touchdown catch in the fourth quarter to help his team force overtime. 
And so I think he's 6'2", 205. You know, that, that's pretty important. And, and I think he's going to be a really good player for Wisconsin. And the other thing that stands out now that they have a guy like Graham Mertz is when you talk to receivers who commit, they are fully aware that Mertz is the quarterback of the future at Wisconsin. And that's a big part of why they want to, to, to play at Wisconsin because they receivers always talk about, well, Wisconsin's going to run the ball 40 times a game. Why would I want to come there? But now you're starting to see things can be different. And I give receivers coach Alvis Wooded a ton of credit because when he came here in March, Wisconsin didn't have any commitments at receiver in the 2021 class. And then he couldn't see anyone in person. They couldn't come visit the campus. So he had to do a lot of work. Well, he was able to land Skylar Bell. And now he's got Marcus Allen, who, as you said, he committed from Michigan, had 30 scholarship offers. Um, and so I think Wisconsin is, is pretty well set at receiver for the future. But Allen, to me, is a is a really important pickup in this class because of his skill set. He's physical. He's fast. He runs a 4-4-8, 40-yard dash. He's a member of the 4 by 100 team. That's a, a state title contender in Ohio. So that's the kind of player that Wisconsin's getting. And one other thing I'll say is his high school coach, this goes back to Graham Mertz, uh, he, he plays at a high school that is is in Division One, which is the highest in Ohio, so they produce a lot of D1 players. Well, this high school coach had a guy who played in that All-American Bowl that Graham played in in 2019 out in San Antonio. So his coach spent a lot of those practices, which were open to everybody, watching all the quarterbacks throw. And we're talking guys like the Talia Tongo-Vailoa, who's lighting it up at Maryland, Sam Howell at North Carolina, Spencer Radler at Oklahoma. Um, and he said Mertz was the best player. He compared him to Peyton Manning. <laughs> which is pretty high praise. Yes. And when he talked to Marcus Allen after Allen reopened his recruitment, he made it clear, this is a dude. You, If you are considering Wisconsin, which he was, you want to play with this guy. And now he's going to get the opportunity. And I should also mention Deacon Hill, who's coming in in the 2021 class, who's been bumped to a four-star prospect by 24-7. So Wisconsin is doing work in recruiting. Uh, and like I said, we don't know how it's going to play out, but he has the potential to be one of those game-changing receivers that Wisconsin desperately needs. How much is the Graham Mertz effect impacting other positions? Is it impacting recruiting otherwise? I, it seems as if it is, as opposed to just wide receiver. It feels like it is more than just wide receiver. Well, I think he's got this magnetic personality, and he's willing to reach out to guys and communicate with them frequently. Sky, uh, I mean, uh, Marcus talked about it. He he was able to visit campus for junior day in early March, so right before everything shut down, and that's when he first met Graham. And then Graham started following him in, on Instagram. And then when he reopened his recruitment, Graham started recruiting him on social media. So Graham's done that with guys across the board at all sorts of different positions. And I think that's really important when you start to look at uh, what Wisconsin can be. I go back, and I've talked about this before, but when I, when I talked to Saeed Khalif back last December, who's the uh, in, in charge of recruiting for Wisconsin. He said it's one thing when a two- or three-star guy tells his friends or, or guys who are also two- or three-star guys, hey, come with me to Wisconsin, let's do this. It's another thing when you've got four or even five-star guys, recruit other four five-star guys and say, come and do this with me. You're seeing the fruits of that labor at Wisconsin that they've had their three best recruiting classes three years in a row. And, and Graham is certainly at the center of that because – People want to play with good players, and he wants to recruit those good players, and, and they're coming to Wisconsin. Speaking of recruiting, you and your colleague, Austin Meek with Michigan, uh, is doing a story on how the two teams have recruited. We talk about that with Austin here uh, coming up, and then we'll come back on the other side, and we'll, we'll give our predictions and give our final thoughts uh, before uh, ending the show. But here is Austin Meek. He covers Michigan for The Athletic.
All right, and we do bring on Austin Meek from The Athletic, Jesse's counterpart, uh, who covers Michigan for them. Probably a pretty quiet week over there, uh, Austin, after uh, that loss to Indiana, the first one, I believe, since 1987. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd call it a quiet week. Uh, (laughs) Definitely uh, kind of a downer, though. I tell you what, uh, nobody around here is in a very good mood, including Jim Arbaugh. That's how I would put it. And and I think that is kind of the question that I think a lot of people outside of Michigan are, are asking is, how much longer or how much longer is the rope for Jim Harbaugh because he has not uh, really delivered on what everyone thought it would be when he uh, first showed up. So where where do things stand in that respect? I mean, is, is this kind of a – I wouldn't maybe I'm being a little dramatic here, but is this a last stand this week? Does he have to win this week? You know, so that's a question I've been asked uh, many times since I got here uh, a couple years ago. And in the past, I've always said, look, Michigan loves Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh loves Michigan. Even if he hasn't delivered on all of the things that, that fans were hoping for when he was hired, uh, he's done enough here that a lot of the chatter about him being on the hot seat is, is a little bit overblown. Um, but it's starting to feel a little bit different to me, uh, and I don't know that that means that anything is you know imminent uh, or that you know he needs to win this week or he's out or anything like that. But I do think the conversation has shifted a little bit uh, just over the last over the last few months and really over the last few weeks. You know, Jim Harbaugh's contract is set to expire after next season. It's pretty rare for a coach at this level to get that deep into a contract without an extension, uh, and it would be frankly pretty difficult for Michigan to give Jim Harbaugh a new contract right now, given everything that's going on financially because of COVID nineteen and the fact that the team is sitting right now at one and two near the bottom of, of the Big Ten East. So I do think that we are getting close to some type of resolution with Jim Harbaugh, whether that's uh, a contract extension or an announcement that he's going to come back next year in the final year of his deal or an announcement that they're going to go their separate ways. I, I think the one thing that I really do believe is we're at a point now where one way or another, Michigan is going to have to say something about Jim Harbaugh's future uh, if not before the end of this season, then certainly uh, as soon as this season ends. Austin, let's talk about this season, and let's just cut right to it. Uh, what the heck is wrong with the Wolverines? That's a broad question, uh, but I'll give you the floor. <laughs> yeah, boy, a lot, of, a lot of directions that we can go with that. I think that the biggest thing that has been glaring in the two losses is Michigan secondary, and especially the cornerbacks, uh, are not where they need to be, not where they've been. You know, in Don Brown's defense, that's such a premium position. Michigan has had good corners from Jordan Lewis to David Long to LaVert Hill and Ambry Thomas last year. They've had guys who could go out there and hold their own in man coverage, and that really is a big key to everything that Don Brown wants to do defensively. And with Ambry Thomas opting out, we're seeing that the depth just isn't there at cornerback. Vincent Gray has really struggled. Jamon Green has, has been okay, but has had his struggles too. And it doesn't really seem like there's a lot behind him that Michigan has been able to turn to. So I think that is the biggest problem. The pass defense uh, ha- has not been good. On the offensive side, I think you know the, the biggest issue there has been the run game. Uh, we knew that Michigan's offensive line was going to be going through a transition this year with four new starters, and then the two starting tackles were out against Indiana. Michigan, since that week one 
game against Minnesota when they looked really good. They just haven't been able to get much push in the running game. I believe they had 13 yards against Indiana, which is the lowest total they've had under Jim Harbaugh. So they've got a really good, you know, they've got a good group of running backs that look like one of their strengths on paper, but the offensive line just hasn't come together in a way that can really get that running game going. Austin, I don't know if you have seen Wisconsin at all in its season opener. It's been a couple weeks since the Badgers have played, but where do you think uh, Michigan can potentially hurt Wisconsin? Is Joe Milton sort of the the guy that w- Michigan has to uh, live and die by and, and hope that uh, he can guide him to victory? Yeah, I mean, Michigan's offense in the last game against Indiana really was just, you know, let Joe Milton throw the ball down the field and hope something good happens. Uh, and, you know, Joe is capable of, of making some plays. I think what we've learned so far through three games is that Joe Milton's a really talented quarterback. He's got a huge arm. He can do some things with the football that we haven't seen a Michigan quarterback be able to do, at least in recent history. But he's also still a developing player, and it's not really fair to Joe Milton to ask him to go out there and and cover up all these other issues. So, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Milton needs more help. Uh, Michigan needs to be able to run the ball. I don't have a high degree of confidence that they'll be able to do that against Wisconsin, but if they could, that would that would sure help things a lot. Uh, but Joe Milton, he needs more help from his defense. He needs more help from his wide receivers, and he needs to play better too. I mean, it's you know, some of it's on Milton too. He's missed some throws uh, times that he hasn't. You know, he's had a, a good pocket, but he hasn't looked real comfortable there. So he's obviously still learning and developing. But there is talent there, and I think the upside for Michigan is that if they can get some of these other things fixed, they do have a, a guy who looks like he can be their, their answer at quarterback, and that position has been uh, a big issue for Jim Harbaugh throughout his tenure here. With Wisconsin's COVID situation, you know, probably going to be in the double digits of missing guys, how does Michigan prepare for that? Do they just prepare for what they saw in week one? or how, I mean, how do they deal with I guess, with Wisconsin's issues with COVID. And, and a second part of that, is Michigan dealing with any uh, COVID issues right now? So knock on wood, uh, Michigan has, uh, has not had issues uh, since, since the season started. They've been pretty much at full strength, aside from guys who have been out for, for various injuries. So uh, to my knowledge, uh, there's, there's nothing uh, on the COVID front to be, uh, to be aware of with Michigan right now. As for how they prepare for Wisconsin, yeah, it's a question that's come up quite a bit this week. You know, obviously, they know what Wisconsin does. Wisconsin is a program that has a pretty clear identity of what they want to do. Uh, Michigan's been been on the wrong end of that a few times, so they know how to prepare for Wisconsin. Obviously, what we saw in that first game from Wisconsin was different from what we've seen in the past. I mean, Graham Mertz um, gives Wisconsin a dimension in the passing game that maybe Michigan hasn't had to prepare for in the past when they've faced the Badgers. So uh, that's not great news, probably, given that the secondary has been such a mess. But I think probably the the mindset for Michigan is they're going to prepare for the best that Wisconsin can throw at them. And if it ends up that Wisconsin is shorthanded, if if they're missing some guys, uh, then probably better to be prepared for their best uh, than to prepare for different guys and then you know have Graham Mertz come out there and throw five touchdowns on you. One of the big stories this week is that defensive end Aiden Hutchinson is out. 
how much does that impact Michigan? Uh, and I know you said before that things are pretty testy there. Can you give us an example from your previous interaction with Jim Harbaugh this week? Well, yeah. So Jim Harbaugh was asked this week, uh, you know, about his future, about the NFL rumors, uh, and that is, it's a, pretty much an annual conversation that happens with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you get to you get to about this time of year, and his name starts to get floated out there for some NFL job openings, and he's always shot it down. Uh, and it, a lot of that, I think, is just speculation and, and rumor. Uh, but he was asked about it this week, maybe in a little more concrete way. Uh, than he has been asked in the past and was asked to to put a timeline basically on how long he wanted to continue to coach at Michigan. And I, I think that got under his skin a little bit. He bristled at that and basically said, you know, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm tired of you know, having to deal with these rumors. And, you know, if you, if you know me, if you watched me over the last five years that I've been here. We don't need to have this conversation. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like super confrontational, but just enough that there was a sense that it was getting under his skin a little bit. Uh, and it, you know, it brought into focus basically that uh, some of these things that in the past were just kind of floating out there, uh, you know, sort of an abstract, Oh, well, would Jim Harbaugh ever want to go back to the NFL? Now it's like, well, he's got one year on his contract after this, and one way or another, something's going to have to happen, and it's not looking real good at Michigan because partly, as you mentioned, one of their best defensive players in Aiden Hutchinson is is now out probably for the season, Uh, and that's a huge loss because even though Aiden didn't have the biggest numbers, um, you know, he wasn't a huge sack guy, but he was just such an anchor for Michigan's defensive line you know, he gets double teamed a lot, takes up a lot of space, great run defender, uh, kind of an emotional leader for Michigan's team. So that's that's a huge loss. And just, you know, when it rains, it pours. You know, it's, that's kind of the feeling of Michigan. It's just everything right now uh, is kind of pointing downward. This is a question that Jesse and I have talked about already in the show, but it, I'd like to get your opinion on it. It is, Wisconsin's been off for two weeks. Michigan has played two games in that stretch and lost them both. Who is at more of an advantage here, Wisconsin having not played for two weeks or Michigan having these three games under their belt and, and kind of knowing maybe a little bit who they are, though I think you know maybe that's a little bit uncertain as well. But who do you think has a little bit of advantage coming into this one? Yeah, that's a question that, that I've wondered about too, and I, I think that it probably all depends on how, much, how many guys are out for Wisconsin because if Wisconsin has its full team uh, and if, you know, if guys are healthy and if they've been able to – you know, get get some conditioning work in. In a way, it it might be an advantage for Wisconsin. Uh, you know that they're coming into this game. You know they're not beat up from playing last week. Uh, you know they're fresh, uh, feeling good. You should be feeling confident after the way they played in in week one. Whereas Michigan's confidence has got to be shaken by the way they've played the last two weeks. So, if Wisconsin is is healthy and has close to its full roster, I think it's advantage Wisconsin. But if, if Wisconsin is shorthanded or if there are guys who just, you know, haven't been able to, to get the work in or, you know, maybe are still trying to get back into shape, uh, there could be an advantage for Michigan just being in that rhythm, that, you know, that game week rhythm, having your body in shape. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Austin, I got one more question for you. I'm going to plug a story that you and I are working on for this week at The Athletic, and it centers on – recruiting for both programs uh, and it's sort of an analysis of 
uh, how each program has fared in the recruiting rankings. And maybe it's not much of a surprise, but when we broke it down, Michigan was better at every single position uh, in terms of the overall 24-7 composite. And in some cases, like a full half-star better. And yet, since Jim Harbaugh and Paul Christ took over, which is in the same season, uh, Christ has a better record. The two teams uh, head-to-head have split. They're 2-2. They're two and two. From your perspective, why isn't Michigan better if the Wolverines are having top 10 recruiting classes and 50-plus four-star guys in a four-year span? Can, can you explain that? Because I think Wisconsin fans know that the Badgers have perhaps overachieved relative to their recruiting rankings. Yeah, I think the recruiting conversation is pretty fascinating with Michigan, and it, it really does depend on your perspective, because if you compare Michigan to the Ohio State and Alabamas of the world, then it's possible to just conclude that, well, Michigan's big problem is re- recruiting. They haven't recruited well enough, and that's why they lose to Ohio, Ohio State every year. I think that is a big part of it. You know, if, if Michigan wants to be at that level, they absolutely have to recruit better. Uh, but you also, if you compare Michigan to Wisconsin or, or Penn State or some of the other teams that are, are honestly more, you know, on Michigan's similar level, Michigan actually has recruited pretty well uh, in comparison. And I think that that's, you know, maybe that's something that get, gets lost a little bit with Jim Harbaugh is he's had some, some hits and misses in recruiting. Uh, he's had some guys get away from the state of Michigan that definitely hurts. Uh, but if you look at the talent on this roster, you know, Michigan has, you know, has recruited better than Wisconsin at a lot of positions, but has not had as much success as Wisconsin. And I think part of that is, you know, if you look at, uh, if you look at the guys on Michigan's team who are some of their best players, it's a lot of guys like Ronnie Bell, who was, uh, I think the lowest rated uh, wide receiver uh, in on this roster. Uh, Quiddy Pay was not a big-time recruit at all, maybe Michigan's best uh, defensive end, defensive lineman. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, the lower-rated recruits, actually quite a few of them have become good players, but the higher-rated recruits that they've signed have not lived up uh, to the expectations a lot of times. A lot of them have gotten hurt, they've, they've transferred, you know, maybe they just haven't really become significant contributors. And I think that's what is really hurting Michigan is you know, their development with the higher rated guys that they've signed just hasn't, hasn't been great. And when you're not signing a class like Ohio State signs with you know, five or six top 100 players every year, uh, the, the four and five star players you sign have to pan out. And that just hasn't, they haven't hit on enough of those players since Jim Harp. Harbaugh has been here, and I think that's one of their big issues. When is that story going to run, guys? Well, we're planning on Wednesday, so hopefully <laughs> okay. when people listen to this, uh, it will be out there and available. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting as well, uh, just the, the recruiting battles that the programs have and, and really how well Wisconsin has performed, and obviously we know the Badgers are getting even better in recruiting. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, awesome. Before I let you go, any prediction for this weekend? You know, I can't. Uh, I can't, in good conscience, pick Michigan to win a game right now after what I've watched the last two weeks. Uh, Michigan just got. You know, they got outplayed by Michigan State. They got outplayed by Indiana. So as long as this is close to Wisconsin at, at its at full strength, and obviously we don't know exactly how how many players will be out for Wisconsin, but if it's anything close 
to the Wisconsin team we saw in week one, I think Wisconsin wins this game. All right, Lawson, really appreciate your time. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, so that was Austin Meek from The Athletic. He covers Michigan, obviously. His opinion, he doesn't think... Uh, he doesn't think Michigan has a shot. Uh, says uh, that he can't, after watching the last few weeks, pick them. But, again, I think uh, we have not seen Wisconsin the last two weeks, and we have no idea what players are going to be on the field for Wisconsin. But I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing Jesse, that you kind of feel similar to him. Or how do you feel about this game coming up on Saturday? I'm not going to say Michigan has no shot, but I think Wisconsin's going to win this game. And like I said in the outset, it's a great mystery simply because we don't know who's available. But let's just say you have... Graham available at quarterback. I think that changes a lot of things. The running game needs to be better, but the defense was outstanding in the opener. Jim Leonard generally gets his guys prepared, and maybe the fact that they had a few extra days to get ready for Michigan will prove helpful in the end. I thought after the first week, hey, Michigan football's back. They beat a ranked Minnesota team. They put 49 points on the Gophers, and it turned out the Gophers weren't very good, especially defensively. And then Michigan goes out and loses to Michigan State one week after the Spartans turn the ball over seven times in a loss to Rutgers. Obviously, Indiana is now a top 10 team, but Michigan did not look very good. So uh, the Wolverines are reeling. I mean, this is a really important game for them, but I just think Wisconsin is a better team. How big a concern is Joe Milton as a quarterback, though? Wisconsin failed to, to slow Brandon Peters in terms of the run game a little bit, a lot of scrambling and that type of stuff. I imagine that Michigan is looking at, looking at that, probably uh, kind of licking their chops a bit. Yeah, and I think Milton's going to have to do a lot to <laughs> help Michigan win this game. I know there's a lot of respect for him just based on the first few games because Jack Sanborn talked about watching that game against uh, Indiana on Saturday, and he mentioned a particular post route that he said most quarterbacks like aren't able to throw, or and so that impressed him. But you're right, that, that's been an issue is the dual threat type of guy. There were a couple runs early where Peters hit it for 30-plus yards, and we know that, for example, last year against Nebraska with Adrian Martinez, um, that was a problem, and it's been at other times too. But... I don't know if there's enough pieces around Milton right now. The, the running game's not very good. They don't have anybody who's averaging more than 53 yards a game on the ground. So it's going to have to be maybe the Joe Milton show in order for him to carry Michigan against Wisconsin. Yeah, and Indiana did a fantastic job against him. They uh, they got after him a bunch, and he ended up actually with negative nine yards rushing after uh, going for 59 against MSU and 52 against Michigan or against Minnesota. So there is at least evidence that it's not like he's a unstoppable type of force. And Wisconsin's defensive line, assuming healthy, and uh, the linebackers, assuming they're healthy, should uh, should be a huge test for for Michigan. You would think, and I know Wisconsin's secondary probably uh, looking forward to to getting their hands on some passes as well. But I meant to bring this up when we were talking about the two weeks off thing. This has happened before uh, w- with Florida. If you remember, they lost to Texas A&M. They were supposed to play Missouri the next week. They didn't. They had a bye the following week. So they went two weeks between between games as well and came out and just smacked Missouri in the mouth and then came back and then beat Georgia last week. So it's not like it hasn't been done already in terms of teams having to take time off because of COVID and uh, but bouncing back in, in pretty impressive fashion. And Wisconsin will be looking to try and do the same thing on Saturday. Again, thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.